Is that a block? They just called a block against Gustave, and the Giants will take the lead. I mean, this is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. had a really 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 bad weekend i know what you're thinking no going into the all-star break no way yeah i know they lost a bunch of games going into the all-star break imagine that not a good weekend for the brewers the vibes were very bad however i think tonight's show is going to be fantastic i think the energy is going to be good i think the vibes are going to be good we're going to walk a tightrope tonight ladies and gentlemen We are going to talk about a very negative topic, a team that's not playing well, but I think we're going to do it with some pep and some zinc. Everyone I talked to today had a great weekend. I talked to a couple of coworkers. Oh, great weekend. Awesome weekend. Everyone had a great time. It seems like everyone had a great time this weekend, despite what was going on with the Brewers. The energy was great. Morale is good with everyone I've talked to. I think tonight's show, I think we're going to walk this tightrope. Tough topic, but with great energy, with great enthusiasm. I had a great weekend, not to brag. Slept in, watched golf. I watched the entire third season of Barry on Saturday. The whole thing, start to finish. I feel like I could have watched two seasons. Went to a Northwoods League game last night. Loggers playing the Larks. Great game. I made an incredible stir fry on Saturday. Uh, First crack at a new recipe, which is just great. And uh, can confirm, good as leftovers too. Had the leftovers about an hour ago. If you want the recipe, text me. Uh, I can I can get it to you. I know the Brewers had a crap weekend, but the vibes are high. I am very excited for tonight's show. Very excited for tonight's show. Let's get into it. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, uh, and you can text to call the show if you'd like. You can reach out, 608-796-2558. Give me a text if you want the stir-fry recipe. Really easy to make. Uh, if you have all the ingredients and you're quick with a knife, you can get this thing banged out in less than 30 minutes. So if you want the recipe, hit me up. I'm also on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. We've made it to All-Star Week, which historically has been probably the most difficult week, probably the quietest week of the sports calendar year-round, which means we don't have that much to talk about. But I am I'm coming into this week with hopes high. I think we're going to have some good conversations this week. It's an opportunity, really, is what it is. I mean, we don't have to talk about the Brewers. We don't have to talk about anything if we don't want because there's nothing really going on other than the All-Star game. I think the Derby's tonight. The All-Star game is tomorrow, correct? When is the bunting competition? I know everyone's been begging for that. We want to bring that back, make that a bigger, like a a skills competition, like they have in the NBA All-Star challenges and and events or whatever you call it, All-Star weekend. We need that in Major League Baseball. Bunting, um, applying tags, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe that could be on, uh, on Wednesday night. We can start making a push for that in, in the next CBA or maybe next year. Uh, but this week should be really fun. I'm thinking of a couple of potential guests. I texted Ebo this morning and I said, hey, Ebo, I'd love to have you on this week. We could talk about some fun things. We don't even need to talk about, oh, should the Brewers be buyers or sellers? We don't even need to do a whole lot of that. We could talk about whatever. Um, he did not respond. <laughs> so uh, everyone tweet at Ebo says, respond to Grant, hashtag respond to Grant uh, and come on his show this week. But I'm thinking at some point, uh, I want to get Ebo. And we we be able to do some fun things this week uh, with all the free time during the All-Star break. I do want to talk a lot about the Brewers tonight. 
However, I want to start with golf. Can we start with golf? I know the show isn't some bastion of uh, amazing golf analysis, but it's the last major of the year, the Open, uh, the British Open, although as I learned last week from Ben Kenny, uh, we just refer to it as the Open, the Open. Uh, and we have all week to belly about the Brewers. So can we start with golf? Can we talk about golf for 10 minutes to start here? 10 minutes, talk about the Open, Cam Smith, Rory McIlroy, Cam Young, the Cams at the top of the leaderboard. I think you'll like my take. I think you will like where I'm going with this, even if you don't love golf. Uh, my first comment about the Open at St. Andrews, uh, the timing of this was incredible. I thoroughly enjoyed the early morning start. Ben Kenny told us last week he was getting up at 4 a.m., dialing it. No, I wasn't getting up at 4, so I was I was missing the very beginning. Don't, don't get this twisted. I was not waking up at 4 a.m., but if I wake up on a weekend with nothing going on at 8, you know, maybe 9 on a later day, I can reach for my remote, roll over, turn on the TV. I don't even have to get out of bed, and there's live sports. Good live sports. Not like some bummy Korean baseball game or some game between the Lions and the Jags in London. Like, this is good. This is the best event that we have left on the golf calendar, right? This is the last major of the year at the old course, St. Andrews. It was great, right? So you could roll over in bed, turn it on right away. It was awesome, especially in the summer. I don't like giving up my weekends in the summer. I don't like being on the couch in, in the prime time hours of a Saturday or a Sunday, like from 11 to 4, that's when I want to go out and, and do things. Maybe go for a hike, go out to get lunch, go out to go work out, do whatever. That's the time of my day. That's in the summer. So this worked really well for me. In the fall, like take whatever. Take my Saturdays. It's fine. I don't need them. Take my Sundays. Sounded like Ben Kenny there. Take my Sundays, my Sundays. Take it all. Take, uh, what, are the, what are the song lyrics? Uh, take Jimmy Johnson. Take Tommy Thompson. Take my best friend. Take anybody that you want. As long as she don't go. You know the song, right? Take any boy in the world. Please. Tim McGraw. Good song. Take it. Hey, take my Saturdays and Sundays in the fall. But I like the schedule for this open because it was early in the morning. And I could do things the rest of the day, like watch an entire season of Barry, which is what I did on Saturday. It seemed like most of us were cheering for Rory. I don't want to speak for everyone. Maybe you're a big Victor Hovland fan, and good for you. I don't mean to diminish that. You probably had a great week weekend. You enjoyed it. Um, it seemed like the majority was cheering for Rory McIlroy. I was cheering for Rory. It seemed like Twitter was cheering for Rory. And he golfed really, really well on Friday and Saturday, and he was up there flirting with whatever the course record. I think I heard early on in the weekend that the course record was minus 19. Was it Tiger in 2000? I saw it once, and I didn't write it down, and I didn't look it up again because it really didn't matter that much to me. But Rory was in the lead. He was cruising. It looked like he was going to be his moment. And then yesterday, something happened. Cam Smith gets hot. Cam Johnson gets hot. And Rory didn't crash and burn. It's tough to explain. He didn't golf bad. He just wasn't quite good enough or great enough. Should we say he had a couple of birdies? It just wasn't enough with the push that Cam Smith put on. And I think lots of golf fans around the country were sitting there stunned at the end of this thing. No words. We're not anti Cam Smith, but we all thought that this was going to be Rory's moment. Mr. PGA first major in forever. And he ends up getting third behind both of the cams and golf viewership, golf fandom as a whole sitting around yesterday afternoon thinking, what, what just happened? What was that? Looking around it. At everyone they're watching with confused and stunned. Again, not against the cams, but I think we thought Rory was going to win that. And me, sitting and watching on my couch, 
Like, uh, like, do you know the the movie The Ballad of Buster Scruggs when James Franco, they're all in the gallows, and James Franco looks over at the guy and he goes, first time? Like, hey, I've been here before, buddy. You look stressed. That's how I felt because I'm a Packer fan, and I have witnessed Rodgers and company do that ten times. What happened to Rory yesterday? I've seen that happen to Rodgers and my Packers over the last ten years eight to ten times. I see it. It, it shapes up a little differently. Statistically, it looks differently. But big picture, what happened to Rory yesterday perfectly sums up what we've seen with the Packers 10 times in the last 12 or 13 years. You can't really blame Rory for losing that game. He didn't make any terrible shots. He didn't have a double or a triple bogey. He didn't melt down on one particular hole. He didn't make any huge mistakes. So you can't really blame Rory for losing that. But also you kind of can. Got a little conservative. Took his foot off the gas. There's the trigger word. Wow, how many times you said that about the Packers in 2014? McCarthy took his foot off the gas. Rory took his foot off the gas a little bit yesterday. But also, again, didn't make any huge mistakes. Didn't blow up. He wasn't living in a bunker. He didn't have a bad three or four hole stretch. You can't really blame him for losing, but you also kind of can. Right? We felt this about Rodgers for years. You have to find this this fine line in between not being the reason for the loss and not going out and grabbing a win, right? And we've seen this with Rodgers and the Packers where you're like, yeah, Rodgers didn't play poorly, but maybe a little conservative. Maybe he could have made some more big plays. Maybe he could have, like, go out and grab the win. Go out and grab the win. And the Packers with Aaron Rodgers in some of these instances haven't gone out and grabbed the win and they end up losing. You're like, well, Rodgers didn't make any huge mistakes, but he didn't make any big, amazing plays to really take over the game. That's how I felt about Rory yesterday. And we have a couple of examples of this with Rodgers and the Packers where they were right there. They're in a good spot and they just didn't make enough great plays. Like in 2021, you can't really fault Aaron Rodgers for that game. Kevin King Gave up a free six points before halftime. Aaron Jones gave away another six points. Fumbled right inside his own five-yard line. EQ dropped the ball on a two-point conversion. That's not on Rodgers, right? But Brady also threw three picks in that game. Had lots of chances to really break down the door, score some touchdowns, and take over and go grab that game. And didn't, right? 2022, a couple months ago, yeah, the special teams were really, 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 really bad. The Mercedes Lewis fumbled. And that stuff's not on Rodgers, but... Also, the defense pitched a shutout, and you were at home, and you had some opportunities. You didn't go out and grab the win. Yeah, Rodgers didn't blow it. He didn't make a crippling mistake that cost his team the game, but he also didn't go out and grab that game. Rory left meat on the bone yesterday. Rodgers and the Packers have left meat on the bone over the last decade. It's not like Cam Smith and Cam Young didn't give Rory a chance to run away and win this. Do you see Cam Smith at 13 on Saturday? He was taking a baseball swing out of the sand bunker. And even the announcers were like, what is he doing? Is this guy out of his bird? And Rory just couldn't build himself quite enough of a lead. I don't think he was ever going to win it on Saturday. But it's not like Cam Smith and Cam Young who passed him to take second as well. They struggled. And Rory didn't enough yesterday, didn't do enough to grab the game, just like we've seen with Rodgers in the last couple of years. There's, again not being the reason for the loss. And then there's not going out and grabbing a win. And over the years, you know, we've always talked and we've debated, would you rather have Favre? Would you rather have Rodgers? You're down six and you need a score in a playoff game. And, you know, you go back and forth. You can make an argument for either guy. One thing you can say about Favre, he's going down swinging, right? With Favre, he's going to, by hook or by crook, 
try to make a play, try to make a throw, try to go out and win the game. With Favre, you would never be left thinking, I wish you would have tried to do a little bit more. I wish you would have tried to go out and grab that game and go out and win it and grab it by the horns. You'd never be left wondering with Favre because he would try to make every throw. And you know what? If he throws a pick, okay, fine. At least he would go for it. With Rodgers, it's different. Rodgers has never made the crippling mistake in any of these playoff games. Where with Favre, you can look at 2008 with the Packers, 2009 with the Vikings. You can look at all these games where Rodgers, or uh, where Favre rather, made this awful mistake and it sticks with you. And Rodgers has never done that. But there are these games where you're like, "Mm." I mean, he he was good. He didn't make any horrible mistakes, but he also didn't maybe do as much as he could have to try to go out and win the game. And that's how I felt about Rory yesterday. And I'm not the only one with this take. I saw it bandied about today. I was texting with Ben Kenny yesterday. He agreed. I think he's been talking about it today. It's a good comparison, right? An athlete that keeps coming up short, and it's not really their fault. It's not really anything bad they're doing. They're just not making enough great plays. You know a great example of going out and grabbing a win? A year ago yesterday, the Bucks won in Phoenix for Game 5 in the NBA Finals. This play... This is going out and trying to win the game rather than playing not to lose the game. Suns have a timeout. Decide not to call it. Booker the drive. Gets inside. Leans in. Back the way. It's stolen by Holiday. Phoenix has the foul. And a pinnacle ball. Throws it down. And a foul. Giannis on the alley-oop. What a turnaround. You didn't need to throw that alley-oop. You just could have backed it out. Given the ball to Chris, Giannis would have brought him a screen. They probably would have fouled Chris Middleton. He goes to the line, two free throws, put him up three. But Drew Holiday and Giannis said, "Mm, mm-mm, there's a play out here to be made. We're going to try to make it. And it could have been a catastrophe. And Giannis talked about that after the game. I saw him going. Then I saw Chris Paul. And then I started sprinting. And uh, I saw nobody was around me. So he didn't want to throw me the ball at first. But I was like, throw it, throw it, throw it. And then uh, he... He threw, he trusted me, you know, and after the game, I was like, thank you for trusting me, you know, because it could go anyway. He could throw it and, you know, make a wrong pass. And that's going to be on him because the point guard and every, you know, coach going to say you're supposed to keep the ball, you know, but he trusted me. You know that I'm going to finish the play and um, that says a lot to me, you know, and, uh, you know, I went up to the game after the game and I told him that too. And I don't think that Giannis and Drew, while coming down the floor, were weighing risks and rewards in their head. Giannis isn't thinking, well, I could go up for it or, or I could not. Let's see. It's probably a better chance. Of that. They're not doing mental arithmetic while coming down the floor. Giannis was asked, why did you call for the ball? This is the explanation. I'm just curious. Why did you want the lob there? How come you didn't want him to run out the clock? Uh, you know, what was going through your mind? Why did you call for that? Exactly. Line? I don't know. <laughs> You, you know, I, I was so in the moment. You know, I wasn't worried about the clock. I wasn't worried about the crowd. I wasn't worried about nothing. I was worried about I had the open lane, you know, throw it up, you know. Uh, and he trusted me. Now, if we put it all down now, there was like, what, 20 seconds on the clock? Yeah, Drew, if you put it all down and you go, you know, traditionally, yeah, pull it back out, give the ball to Chris, let's run a high pick and roll, and so probably they're going to follow him. You know, he's going to go to the free throw line. But, I was, you know, sometimes when you're so much in the moment, you, you just react. This might be a little bit of Rodgers' problem. And I'm not, look, I'm not trying to make this into an Aaron Rodgers thing. I watched golf yesterday. It made me think of the Packers. And then that made me think of the Bucks. So I thought I'd bring in the Giannis uh, alley-oop anniversary as well. But, I mean, 
to Rogers credit, Rogers is so smart. And I think he's so aware of everything going on. I, I think in these moments, he analyzes everything to the millionth degree. I don't know about golf enough. And I don't know enough about Rory McIlroy to really talk about what's going on. It's his head. But I think with Rogers, he's constantly weighing risk reward. Whereas Giannis in that moment said, I just felt it. I was lost in the moment. It felt right. So I did it. That's Favre, right? And it bites you in the ass too. That's Mahomes. And again, in that Bengals game, it bit him in the ass, right? There is something to be said. The best athletes can get lost in the moment and their instincts kick in. And the best of the best normally are correct with their instincts, right? The Bucks a year ago yesterday, they went out to win the game. They weren't playing not to lose the game. Rory played a little not to lose yesterday. And as, again, we've seen with the Packers a lot in the last decade, they don't do a whole lot to lose playoff games, but sometimes they don't do enough to win. And that's what yesterday's final day of the Open made me think of. Let's talk about the Brewers. We'll be back here in three minutes. I'd love to take your comments on what's going on with them. We're going to keep things light, keep things airy. We're not going to get bogged down and frustrated today. 608 I'm on Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Let's talk Brewers coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had a great weekend. Hope your week is off to a good start. Thanks for being here. If you want to talk Brewers, 608-796-2558. They lost a bunch of games going into the All-Star break. I know. I'm as surprised as you are. Who could have seen that coming? When I was filling in on the After Dude show last week, Ben asked me, okay, so if they split with the Twins and the and the Giants, that'd be, yep, take it. Yep, lock that in. If you give me a split, I'll take it. Absolutely. This team has been so bad the last four years under Craig Council going into the All-Star break. I'd take a split. I'd, I'd take a split with the Twins and then a two or two against the Giants. Absolutely. Give me 500 down the stretch. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Lock it in. Uh, and uh, I wish they would have split down the stretch. This team, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a Council problem. I don't know what it is. We're going to talk about Council. Yeah. Yep. Me, Grant Bills, going to talk about Craig Council and maybe some strengths and weaknesses of the Milwaukee Brewers manager. Yeah, I know. It's the All-Star break. Things are going to get weird this week. I'm going to do some things that I uh, I normally wouldn't do. You can find me on Twitter if you are uh, a tweeter and you want to interact with the show, you can, at Wisco Grant. Thank you to those who reached out to Ebo. He has already texted me back. Would you like to hear what he said? Ebo is the most humble man in sports radio. Uh, he responded, Sorry, I was entertaining my millions of fans when you texted, and it slipped my mind. Yes, I would love to come on. Ah, I love his enthusiasm. So, Ebo, we will get him at some point during the week. Thank you uh, for those that tweeted at Wisco Grant and at Ebo says, Brewers over the weekend had the, uh, I guess, what would a good analogy be? Uh, Three horsemen of the apocalypse, three deathly howls. There's three, right? I haven't seen the last Harry Potter in a while. They had just the trifecta of bad losses. You couldn't draw up three worst losses. Huge blown lead by Josh Hader. Bad call on Saturday night. And not just any bad call. A bad call on a buck. Like, to lose on a tough strike three call or a safe out call. Okay, whatever. That that happens. Umpires are forced to make ball strike decisions and out safe decisions. No one is dying for Bruce Dreckman or whoever it was behind home plate to step up and call a balk. 
It's like, okay. So not only is it a bad call, but it's a bad call on a stupid thing that no one ever thinks about. Okay, great. So we got a blown lead by Josh Hader, a bad call, and then they just get straight up blown out yesterday. Okay, sick. Add that to the pile, too. Really good weekend. Vibes are not good with the Brewers. I tried to ignore the bad vibes. I think I tweeted Friday night after the game. Maybe it was Saturday. I don't know. One of the crushing losses late at night. Can't remember which one. I think I tweeted, it's too late to be mad. Just go to bed, everybody. Just put your phone away. Go to bed. We'll deal with the fallout in the morning. We'll deal with the fallout in the morning. I remember a couple of years ago, this might have been last spring even, I just moved into a new house, and my new roommate and I, we went out to celebrate, and we, you know, we, we tied one on. We had a good time, and I got home, and when I got up to my bedroom, I don't know if I slipped and fell. I don't, I don't know. what, what Whatever the reason was, I, I'm falling. I'm now falling. Maybe it was some alcohol. Maybe I stubbed my toe. I don't know. I fall into my shelf where I have this potted plant. Plant goes down, shatters, dirt everywhere. And it's like 1.30 in the morning. And I look down and I go, this is a tomorrow problem. And I turn the light off and I went to sleep. Now, when I woke up, that sucked because there is now a huge pile of potting soil. And because we had just moved, I had not bought a vacuum yet. So I had to go to the store, get a vacuum, come home, suck it up. And it was a crummy problem to deal with in the morning. Don't get me wrong. But I think I made the right decision. I said, this is too much. It's 1 a.m. This is a tomorrow problem. And when the Brewers blew that game with Hater on Friday, I tweeted. I said, guys, don't deal with this right now. Turn the light off. Go to sleep. Yes, you're going to wake up tomorrow and look at your phone and remember what happened. Just like I woke up and looked over and there's dirt everywhere on my carpet. But that's fine. The dirt will still be there in the morning. Josh Hader's blown save and his like stratospheric ERA in the month of July. I think it's just over 20 and a quarter. It'll all be there tomorrow. Go to bed. That was my message on Friday night. I don't know that I could have preached the same message on Saturday because it kept getting worse and worse and worse as the weekend went along. This team is just so hard to watch. And it's always the offense. Always, always, always. Yes, I know Hader blew a save the other night. and Gustave, quote-unquote, balked in a run. But really, those are small, little offshoot storylines when the main story of this team is the offense sucks. It sucks, it sucks, it sucks, it sucks. Um, And I think the Brewers have the means to fix the offense. I want to talk about that coming up in a few minutes. But these other things, they're just side issues. Like, Hader, yeah, here's his ERA, 20.25 in the month of July. I believe it was nine and a half last July. We checked last Friday. That's about where it was. Now, it's worse this year, but ERAs for pitchers that pitch really small sample sizes can get wacky. The point is, he was in a rut last July, and hitters got in a groove against him, and he's in a rut this July as well. They still have Williams. I think Hader will be fine. I'm not overly worried about Josh Hader. I think that's a small little side story, a little side character. It's not part of the main cast, right? The Bach on set. That pit. That was such ass. Bruce, I did look it up. The crew chief was Bruce Dreckman. Listening to his explanation, it's like in that moment you had to step up. Baseball umps really are a different breed. And again, I respect officials. I'm not going to go to a game and heckle them. And But come on, man. Like, it's one thing, again, to botch a ball or a strike call. The ball's coming in at 100 miles an hour. It happens. Right? It's a bang-bang play at first. It happens. Luckily, we have reviews to help out with that. A buck? What do you got binoculars on watching this guy's feet? Just, just call the game. Just call within the flow of the game. No one thought that was a Bach, especially not in that moment. I also hate that I know the name Bruce Dreckman and Brian Knight and C.B. Bucknor, and I hate that these are characters that live in my head. I shouldn't know who these people are. Whatever, the Bach is a side story. This is about the offense. Eric Lauer, 
finally pitches well. Saturday, he's awesome. Goes seven, only gives up two hits. Naturally, the Brewers lose. If not for a lucky misread by the center fielder and a sack fly, the Brewers would have got shut out and Lauer would have lost the game, which is just, oh, God. This game is so hard to watch. This team can be so hard to watch at times. Oh, look at that. Willie Adamas, he just hit another meaningless solo shot, everybody. Look at that. Good. Good, Willie. So stupid. Got a text here from Derek. Brewers hitting coach Musk. Not, not doing that again. Not to, not to dismiss your text offhand. We did this all last year with Andy Haynes. Nope, I'm not doing the hitting coach thing again. Sorry, Derek. Dean and Eau Claire. In Hater's last two appearances, his ERA is 237. I will predict. I predict he will be better uh, than that as the season progresses. Yeah, only, uh, only, only place to goes down, right, Dean? Yeah, I'm not worried about Josh Hader. I. I talked to a couple people today. I'm in, you know, sports group chats with my buddies, like we all are. And I heard from a couple people, he's burned out. He's overworked. He's tired. I don't think that's it. He's had a lot of outings, but they've all been crisp three batter, four batter outings within the normal workload of a closer. And then he's had a, a random week or two here or there where he's gone on. I don't know if it's the bereavement list or the paternity list. Like he's had time off too. And then there's been stretches where the Brewers have lost so many games in a row He's not needed. I don't think haters overworked. I don't think that's it. Maybe mentally he's got a kid at home and he's thinking about that. He's got a lot going on, right? And like I said, even last July without a kid, right? He was struggling. Hitters had started to figure him out. I, I'm not I'm not worried about hater. Uh, St. Paul Schmidt, he says, the explanation from the crew chief about the Bach was so wrong. Do umps know that people are watching and it's not 1981 anymore? Can't just make up explanations for your ass Bach call. Again, and in that moment too, Schmidt, you're a baseball diehard. You were sending me pictures. You were at both games up in the Twin Cities. Well, that's St. Paul Schmidt, hence the name. But you were at Target Field for both games last week. Umpiring is hard. Calling balls and strikes are hard. Out safe calls are hard. I get all of these things that happen within the normal flow of the game. But when you start inventing Bach calls that aren't there in that moment, you just, you you want to ump in a run. You want to do your dance. You want to... You want to point the guy home. You want to play to the crowd, and that's uh, you have a hard time with that. Hector in Alaska. Ooh, this will be a perfect text before going into this next break. This is what I want to talk about. He says, go get Soto. He turned down $440 million. Obviously doesn't want to be there anymore. Trade some prospects and a pitcher. We'll be fine. He's a game changer. Now, I don't know that Soto is an option, but I want to talk about the Brewers and what their approach should be going into the trade deadline. I've been pretty clear up until this point. I want them to be aggressive. I have organized my thoughts, and I will present my argument for aggression in a more organized way. I'm not just going to yell about how I want my team to win, although that's how we should all feel. I'll never apologize for being like, I want the Brewers to win a World Series, like that's some sort of unreasonable stance. But I do have some examples and some specific things I want to talk about as it pertains to the Brewers being aggressive going into the trade deadline and looking to add, 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 add. We need bats. We need bats. We need bats. Let's talk about that coming up next. Wisco Sports Show back in five minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, I have uh, arranged with the boss man Ebo for Thursday. So thank you to everyone who tweeted at Ebo Says and said, hey, text Grant back. Uh, Thursday, we're going to chat with Ebo. I already have some topics that I want to cover with that man. It's going to get fun this week because as the week goes along, we're going to get further and further removed from the last Brewer game. 
further and further removed from Summer League or anything else that's been going on, and we're going off into this this sportsless wilderness that is the All-Star Break week. And we can talk about whatever. What a great opportunity. We're talking Brewers right now. As we get closer to the trade deadline, I want this team to add, even if the price is high. I'll tell you more about that in a few minutes. First, to the phones, 608-796-2558. Daryl is here. Daryl, what's going on? Well, finally, I got through uh, a couple of times there. It looked like uh, I got cut out in the process. Um, all right. Well, first of all, I keep wondering, first of all, why players and coaches, coaches and managers are not allowed to criticize the umpires when they make bad calls as that balk is one of those uh, situations as far as it goes. You asked for my, uh, you asked me a statement recently concerning um, why would I be interested like in summer league or something like that? Yeah. I am interested in all sports. Okay. That includes summer league, cornhole, um, women's volleyball, beach volleyball, yeah. um, men's beach volleyball, um, you name you name a sport and a, you know Canadian football. It doesn't matter if it's on. I'm willing to at least look at it as far as it goes. National Hockey League. It doesn't matter. World Cup soccer. Right now, Tour de France. You were talking about earlier, for example, the uh, the British Open as far as it goes, or yeah. the Open as most people call it. Yeah. You know, uh, the what I look at as far as when I saw what you were talking about earlier with um, with Roy as far as it goes. I had a feeling that what he was doing is that just like uh, Holgram tried to hold back Favre so many times, he held him back, himself back only because he didn't know how to handle maybe certain conditions out on that course. It looked like he was a little little hesitant. And, yes, you, winners do grab it by the throat. I agree with you on that concept. Those that, those that win do make the push, do make an effort, do pull it out. You know, they, they, they find a way to win. And, uh, uh, this is not what the Brewers are doing as of late. And I, you know, and I would say but this about Josh Hader. I think Josh Hader looked distracted. Mm. And I'll say this, and, I'll, and here's my point about this. Um, you know, he's not going to the all-star game. He's going to spend time at home. And the reason he's going to spend time at home is, is I think, I think the missus is having a few problems with, you know, um, just having their child and stuff like that. Yeah. And it could be personal in that, in that manner. And it could be personal to him as far as him being distracted, as far as what can he do? What is he supposed to do? Uh, how, you know, how is he supposed to be performing and still, you know, and, and, and still, uh, worrying about things at home. This is all new to him. Sure. And I think that distraction is part of the reason that he is not completely focused on what he's doing and hoping that he comes up with a uh, way to solve this before coming back to the team uh, for this weekend series. Now, uh, I'm not saying that uh, this is going to be the dismantling of the Brewers if he doesn't. Yeah. But I'm saying is that I'm saying is that uh, uh, it's going to make him much more vulnerable if he can't remain focused. And uh, that's what he has to do in order to become the dominant pitcher that he is. So, I mean, he can't, he can't, um, he's not like, what is it, Corbin Burns, I think it is, who can, yeah. who can scrape by, come, come up with different pitches. I think Woody does the same thing, too. Not every pitch works, but in, when you're in a condensed situation like um, Hayter is, every pitch does matter. Yes. And... And, and I guess that's what I'm trying to say differently as far as it goes. So as far as you were talking about trades, too, yes, the Brewers need to make get some bats. 
There's no doubt. They need some offense. They need offense to go with this. Uh, obviously, and I'll say this with all intent, is that the defense is not all there. So any kind of offensive punch mm-hmm. would be better than giving away all the runs that they have and still not being able to come back and, and you know hit their way out of it. I mean, that's uh, the Brewers previously with uh, Fielder, Weeks, and them. That's you know what they could do is they could hit themselves out of it if they had to. But uh, uh, this offense has no, no, no offensive punch. I mean, you take yeah. you take Tellez, you take Tellez and and um, uh, Adama's side of that lineup, they're almost non-existent. They're basically non-existent now, Daryl. That's how I feel every game when I'm watching them. I, I appreciate the phone call, Daryl. I want to address something you said about Hater. And again, thanks for the call, 608-796-2558, how he's in a condensed environment, right? So Burns or Woodruff or Peralta or any of these starters, especially these guys, pitch for length, right? Now, if Chichi Gonzalez is coming in and you're like, hey, give us three innings, that's a little different. But the Brewers have this handful of starters. They're used to going six, seven innings. I think if Burns is done before completing six, we're disappointed, right? So he's got all these innings, all these hitters to work with. He can almost pitch himself into a game. Feel out a couple pitches in the first inning, see what's working, adjust, adapt, right? Continue throughout the game. Josh Hader doesn't have that. He doesn't have that that luxury. And, you know, teams that are actually competent on offense will come up there and say, all right, we got three bats left. Tighten everything up. Be extra picky about the swings. Fight to put the ball in play. Make Hater throw strikes. Whereas the Brewers would go up there and go, oh, ball hit with wood? And they'd strike out after. So this wouldn't apply. If if Hater pitched against the Brewers in the ninth, none of this would apply. But he's not pitching against the Brewers in these ninth innings. So life gets harder, right? Because Hater's tight and the screw's down a little bit. Hater, I think, this season has been workshopping his slider. Not Not that his slider isn't good, but it's a relative newer pitch compared to his fastball. So in 2018, he just come in, throws fastball. No one's going to touch it. It's all he really needed. Now, these days, his fastball is still his best pitch. And I think this season, he's maybe thrown his slider more than he's needed. And honestly, the way I look at it, and I never played competitive baseball past T-ball or Little League or whatever, and I hated that too. So I don't even think I played T-ball, really. I stood out there, but I don't think I ever really played. The way I see it, hitters are going up there sitting slider. Because they're thinking, well, we're not going to hit his fastball. His fastball's great. So let's just stare for a slider, watch for a slider, and hope he misses with one. Because he's more likely to miss with a slider than with a fastball. And if he misses with a slider, it's much less forgiving. right? If he misses with a fastball by a couple of inches, it's still a really difficult pitch to hit. Well, if you miss with a slider, uh-huh, okay, now we might be cooking with gas. Especially if you know that it's coming or you're waiting for it. Now you can jump on it. I think a lot of these hitters are just sitting slider. And they're waiting for it. They're expecting it because they can't hit the fastball anyways. And that's why we see so many solid connections. I mean, we saw a couple of them on Friday night. I'm not saying that Josh Hader should stop throwing his slider. I think maybe up until this point, he was getting away with being very laissez-faire with his slider. He's like, let me see if this will work. Let me try this out. Let me let me almost workshop in real game settings because he was so unhittable early on this season. He could workshop a new pitch, tweak. But now hitters have learned to watch for it and being laissez-faire with that pitch isn't going to work anymore. So I think throwing more fastballs and being more selective and choosy about when to use the slider and obviously executing when he throws the slider, I think will go a long way. Everything I just said could be completely wrong. That's how I see it. Again, I'm not an educated baseball mind, but if I was a hitter against Josh Hader right now, I'd go up there and I'd sit slider and I'd wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. 
And if a fastball's in the zone, foul it off. Just try to live for another pitch. Sit slider, sit slider, sit slider. And when you get one, hope he misses a little bit and you're ready for it. That's what it's looked like to me. I think that also checks out in the press conferences that Hader has had. Maybe he was overdoing my slider, couldn't locate my slider. They were sitting on my slider. So I, it makes sense. That's how I'm reading it. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. St. Paul Schmidt. Wow. Double text from Schmidt today. We're lucky. Says Jace Peterson is easily our most consistent offensive player as of late. And it's so unimpressive how, or it's so impressive how he's a true utility player. One that is just okay at each position. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, Jason made a couple good plays at third base. He's also missed on a couple of routine grounders. But then again, Colton Wong, Luis Urias, and Willie Damas can't handle routine grounders at a 100% clip either. So the hell does it matter? Colton Wong, I would trade him tomorrow. I would trade Colton Wong so fast right now if you could even get a marginal upgrade. If I could trade Colton Wong and a low-level prospect for a 2% upgrade, I'm doing it tomorrow. I don't know what his deal is. It's like the Brewers trade for hitters. And when they get here, they're great. Because Colton Wong didn't learn to hit from the Brewers. He learned to hit from the Cardinals. So last year, he's great. But now he's been in Milwaukee too long. And, and it's rubbing off on him. He, he, he's not a Cardinal anymore. He is a Brewer. And it's showing because he's hitting like dump. So what they need to do, ship him out. Bring in a fresh bat that, that hasn't had his mind and his, his hitting approach tainted by whatever's going on in Milwaukee. That's what they should do. Dump everyone that they have and bring in a brand new cast of characters. And hopefully... They'll be really good on offense the rest of this year before tailing off next year like we've seen with bats that have joined the Brewers. That would be my strategy. Obviously, that's not realistic, but you do start to wonder, right? Narvaez got here, was amazing right from the jump, and 2020 was weird, but last year was great. Oh, now he's been in Milwaukee a little while. Look, he's starting to decline. Oh, funny how that works. Yelich starting to decline. Interesting. Kane over the years. Now, that could be due to age, too, but that doesn't fit my narrative, so I'm leaving that out, right? <laughs> Fresh bats that weren't taught how to hit by the Brewers because that seems to be an issue. We'll talk more about that. Aggressive towards the trade deadline. I'm all about it. Call me up with a list of prospects you want to trade. Get them out of town. Ship them out. Trade them. Let's talk more Brewers. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. I realize that I have made a grave mistake in how I've handled the first 52 minutes of the show so far. I got to make up for this. It's my bad. Major League Baseball's draft was yesterday and today. And I honestly don't know how long it goes, but it's still going and it goes a while because there's lots of players. But the first round and I believe the second round were last night. And I haven't even said anything about it yet. That's bad on me. Uh, they took... Shortstop Eric Brown Jr. in the first round and pitcher Jacob Misirovsky in the second. Something like that. I just want to make sure that I, I give this its its appropriate due and talk about this for uh, for the correct amount of time. So anyways, what's your biggest concern about the Packers heading into training camp? Any positions worrying you? Any? <laughs> no, we can talk about the draft for a couple of minutes. Um, you can break down these picks. Sure, these guys are the future. I, I stayed up. Late last night, and I was reading about Eric Brown Jr. and Jacob. We're just going to say Jacob M. because I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce his last name. That's why we're going to have David Gasper on tomorrow, and he can teach us. Uh, I was learning all about these guys last night, their strengths and their weaknesses, all of it. And after hours and hours of research and 
study, I decided that I want to trade them both as soon as possible. Package them with all of the other Brewers' top prospects who I also want to trade as soon as possible. Now, yesterday on Twitter, and this is beef I have with Gasper because he publicly corrected me, and I do not appreciate that. You can DM me and correct me, but to publicly do it, all right, Gasper, let's calm down. Uh, He actually informed me that we can't trade them until after this year's World Series. Uh, So we wait a couple of months. It's fine. Uh, It's fine. But we should trade these guys as soon as possible. These are the uh, Brewers' first-round picks from the last decade. Ready? It's a good list. Uh, Victor Roach, 2012. Uh, 2013, they didn't have a first-round pick. Uh, Compensation for signing Kyle Loesch, sick. Uh, 2014, Cody Medeiros. 2015, Trent Clark, a.k.a. Trent Grisham, who is no longer here. 2016, Corey Ray. 2017, Keston Hira, who still has a chance. The Brewers seem intent on sabotaging that chance, but he does have a chance nonetheless. 2018, Bryce Terang. 2019, Ethan Small. 2020, Garrett Mitchell. And 2021, speaking of our boy David Gasper, that is his boy, Sal Freelich. Now, the last couple of years I like, but by and large, the last decade sucked a lot. Um, the Brewers can't find bats anymore. I guess post-2008, they completely forgot how to try, you know, draft and develop bats. But we've seen this in sports before. Like, the Brewers are really good at pitching. They're really good at this and that. But drafting and developing bats has not been their thing for the last 10 years. Okay. There are other good teams that have had weaknesses. I think of Bill Belichick. Not a great drafter. So what has he done? He wins in other ways. He's smart enough to not overpay for some guys, smart enough to trade picks for some guys, in some instances trade a little too much draft capital, which I think has become a little bit of a a detriment to the Patriots, right? The Brewers, like I said, forgot how to develop hitters post-2008, so we got to trade for our bats. And the Brewers are not paying a premium for elite pitching. They have a great rotation and an elite back end of the bullpen, and they didn't have to overpay to get it. So they can overpay a little bit for offense, at least if they want to win. I'm assuming the Brewers do, in fact, want to win a World Series. If they don't, then all of this is mute. But if the goal is to be the best team in baseball and to win a World Series, you can pay a premium to go get some bats. And that's what they've done the last couple of years. All of their best hitters the last couple of years, none of them were brought up in the Brewers system. Yelich they got from Miami. Kane, they drafted him, but he luckily escaped and went somewhere else to learn how to hit before they brought him back. Adamas comes from Tampa. God, think of how well Willie Adamas would have fit in on that 2011 team, which is home run or bust. Man, you stick Willie Adamas on that 2011 team, he would have fit right in. He'd have been Carlos Gomez 2.0. It would have been great. It would have been awesome. Maybe they would have beat the Cardinals. Who knows? The Brewers aren't paying a premium for pitching right now. That's a big edge they have. So they can invest in their offense. Make trades. Trades with an S. Trades, multiple trades. Keep bringing up last year how the Atlanta Braves got hot. Atlanta did it last year. So I take calls and texts, and you say, Grant, uh, the Brewers are not on the level of the Dodgers or the Braves or the Mets, and they might win this division because the division isn't very good, but they will not succeed against any of these teams in the playoffs. And I'm like, God, you're so annoying. You don't know that to be true. The Brewers could get hot after the All-Star break. They could get hot in September, and they could sweep, sweep the Dodgers out of the playoffs. You don't know. You don't know the future. And I say, remember what happened with the Braves last year? And then you say, yeah, but the Braves traded for a whole new offense. They traded for three studs at the deadline. Great. Then let's do that. Let's also do that. Let's also trade for a brand new outfield because the outfield we have sucks. And so does the infield. Let's not act like the Braves. Well, the, the Braves, they got hot last year, but they traded for all these great bats. Wow. Imagine that. Wait a minute. You're telling me that the Braves 
attacked a weakness at the trade deadline. Wow. And that's supposed to poo-poo my argument of how the Brewers could turn it around and how they could contend. Do what the Braves did. You got Jace Peterson and Johnny Davis starting games in the outfield. And I get there are injuries, but also there aren't. You were paying a bunch of money to Lorenzo Cain, and he's like, no, I don't want to do this anymore. You're paying a bunch of money to Christian Yelich, and he forgot how to hit everything except for singles. He's basically turned into Jason Kendall. Jace Peterson has started games. Johnny Davis has started games. And I like Hunter Renfro, but if another team wants him and they're willing to give us something that works for us, bye. See ya. That's fine. He's got a great throwing arm. I'll live without it if I can get an upgrade offensively, right? Well, the Braves got hot last year, but they traded for a whole new outfield. Great. Let's also trade for a whole new outfield. That sounds like it will work. Or a whole new infield. I'm not married to either. Let's trade for three new catchers. I don't care. I'm not married to any one of these guys, which is great. The Brewers have such an opportunity. The canvas they have is blank. Well, who are you even going to trade for? There's weaknesses all over. Exactly. That means no conversation is prohibitive. Because if one team is selling a second baseman, we'll take them. This team selling a corner outfield, we'll take them. We don't need something specific. We'll take anything. Do what the Braves did. Great blueprint. Great blueprint. Your offense sucks. Trade for brand new offense. I love it. Let's let's do that. Let's do what the Braves did. Uh, if they don't do anything at this trade deadline, if they trade for a B-minus reliever that no one's ever heard of, and that's it, oh, you... <laughs> If that's what they do, you think you know mad? You think you've heard me mad on this show? Oh, you think post-NFC Championship game is mad? I watch NFC Championship game losses to help me fall asleep at night. I'm so used to them. They, they comfort me. This, this will be next-level upset. This team, just go get a couple of bats. We're right there. I'm not nuts. I'm not crazy. Let's take a break. Wisco Sports Show, back in two minutes. Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I feel a little bit like Chevy Chase in Christmas Vacation. Because, because, because I am operating under the assumption, and I have been for weeks, and I will continue to moving forward. I'm operating under the assumption that the Brewers are going to make some substantial trades for offense at the deadline. You know, just like uh, just like Chevy Chase, he was banking on that Christmas bonus. He was banking on that Christmas bonus. It's one thing if you're going to take bonuses away, but at the very least, you got to tell people about it, right? When people count on it as part of their salary, I think that was the actual line from the movie. I feel like Chevy Chase in that I'm making plans. I, we're breaking ground in the spring on this Brewers offense. I mean, I can't, I'm envisioning the big bats they're going to trade. I'm envisioning and accepting the prospects we're going to send out. It's there. I see it. It's crystallized. It's happening. And if we get to the trade deadline and Stearns and Atanasio trade for some slapdash reliever who's not even good, I might have a little bit of a blow up like Chevy Chase did at the end of Christmas vacation. We've all seen the movie. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I... I I think we're setting up for a situation like that. And I uh, I didn't really ponder that until that last commercial break. And I'm a little scared because I don't quite know how we'll react. But uh, 
Time will tell. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had a great weekend. The Open was a treat and a privilege to watch. The fact that it was on early in the morning, I could just roll over in bed, grab a remote, click it on, make some coffee. I could stay in bed until noon because there's golf on. What am I going to do? Get up and go somewhere? No, this is my job. Sorry, I got to watch. I have a built-in excuse. So the golf was great. The Brewers weren't, but did we expect any different? This team always sucks going into the All-Star break. 608-796-2558. Give me a ring or a text if you want to talk Brewers. David is here. Uh, David, I did talk about Aaron Rodgers earlier in the show. I compared him to Rory McIlroy. Did you hear that? Because that was a segment that was uh, built for you. Sorry, I missed it. I was still at work. That's fine. I'm a little concerned that you have taken the time to plug Christmas Vacation (laughs) and you still haven't watched The Godfather. No talking about crappy movies until you take the two hours to watch a classic movie. So, so you like, you like this, David, um, over this last commercial break, sometimes I watch YouTube videos or whatever when I'm killing time in the studio because I hear by myself for three or five minutes. I was just watching scenes from the Sopranos. Uh, this one says Sopranos and Lupertazzi sit down to discuss Ralph. So not the Godfather, but along those same lines. So in spirit, I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. Okay. <laughs> you don't care. Uh, Brewers. Well, you know, <laughs> tremendous disappointment with the way they ended this cycle. And our hope has to be that they get back a couple of starting pitchers. They still, when they do get back those starting pitchers, have one of the fine rotations. And like you, I think it'll be a huge disappointment if they bring in a crappy middle reliever. But I think what should make you optimistic is that having the St. Louis Cardinals catch up to the Brewers, now it becomes even more important for management of the Brewers to be able to say that they were not outdone at the trading deadline by the Cardinals. True. What an embarrassment it would be mm-hmm. if the Cardinals pick up a couple of guys and go right past oh, the Brewers David. to win the division. David, David, David. Well, I didn't even think about this. The stage is set because both of these teams' needs are really evident, right? The Cardinals need starters in the worst way. The Brewers need offense in the worst way. They're basically neck and neck in a super winnable division. And now we go, right? We see which team can make the moves that they need. Oh, this is good. This is good. This is going to put the pressure on the Brewers to make moves, David. This is an excellent point. Well done. Well, on a Monday, thank you for that comment. You know what you is, have a good one. Yeah, you as well, David. Appreciate the call. God, that was a good point. Yes, that makes me feel good. That is uh, David, 608-796-2558. I am watching Soprano's YouTube clips uh, over the break. That is true. I did not lie about that. Uh, Carmine put his foot down because Johnny Sack wants to clip Ralph, and we don't, we don't, cl- no one's getting clipped. Okay, Johnny Sack is being unreasonable, and then, uh, and then Corrado Junior's at home on the phone, and Bobby's there. I gotta go pick up. It's, it's whatever. It was great. Um, but David's right. That is a great point about the Brewers front office. It's so loud and clear. Everything is outlined so perfectly in the NL Central. We're not worried about the Cubs or the Pirates or the Reds. There's two teams everyone is looking at, and by everyone, I mean Brewers and Cardinals fans because no other fan around the country is watching this sorry-ass division. Both fan bases are dialed in. The Cardinals need starters in the worst way. It's 
very clear. Their offense is great. World Series offense, but they don't have the bats. They could use another reliever, but so could the Brewers. The Brewers have a World Series starting rotation and back end of the bullpen. Could they use another reliever? Sure, but they need offense. Yes, offense, 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 and a lot of it. The Cardinals could not acquire too much starting pitching. The Brewers could not acquire enough offense. The Brewers could bring in nine new bats, and I'd be like, eh, maybe one or two more for, you know, for depth, lineup flexibility, and in case of injury, right? That hopefully is a good determining factor. Hopefully that does put the screws to Brewers' ownership a little bit because Brewers fans will not be happy if the Cardinals go out and get the best available starter and another good starter to go along with him and the Brewers sit on their thumb and get a reliever. The Cardinals address their dire needs and the Brewers don't. That's going to be loud and clear and evident. Now, maybe the unfortunate reality is the Brewers just don't care. Maybe Mark Atanasio doesn't care. Maybe he's not worried about how this trade deadline is perceived by the fans. Whatever the Cardinals do, the one thing that worries me, and the Packers love doing this too, is the trade deadline. Freddie Peralta is going to come back in August. The worrying thing is they do nothing, and then they come out and they say, well, we we are. We did add someone. We're getting Freddie Peralta back. And it's like, okay, that's such a Mark Murphy, Ted Thompson, Brian Gudikins move. God, I love what David said. That's a great point. That's got me feeling good. Cone Roller, 608-796-2558. What's up, Cone? Hey, Grant, don't worry about the last caller giving you a hard time about the Godfather. I haven't seen it either. So I, oh, God, now he's really, now he's going to call back. Now he's going to be upset. I'm going to get to it. I am I am neck deep in Mad Men right now, and I need to finish Mad Men. And I told David, I said, when I finish Mad Men, I'm not going to start another show. I've, I'm compiling a list of movies, and I'm going to knock them all, and I'm going to get to them. It just, it takes time. He thinks I'm blowing smoke up his butt, but I'm not. I'm going to get to it. Well, I'm eager to hear about it. Maybe I'll give it a watch, too. <laughs> It can be a t- it can be like a like a book club thing for everyone who listens. Yeah, to exactly. Show. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Are you picking up what I'm what I'm laying down about this Brewers trade deadline? This is all very clear to me. I feel very strongly that I'm correct about everything that I'm saying and that they need to do this. Very aggressive. Yes, I am in your boat a hundred percent. They need to make a move, and just after this past weekend of baseball, I am so sick of watching this team play. I cannot wait for this all-star break for whatever, five days off of watching this putrid team go out on the field, strike out, ground out, not score any runs, blow saves, everything. I'm sick of it. Good for you. First of all, I am also looking for, I'm going to go fishing tonight. I might not watch the home run derbies tonight, right? Yeah, I think so. I'll ju- I'll just read a recap. If something really cool happens, I'll just watch it when I get. I want to go fishing after work. It's nice outside. I don't. I want to have a little freedom now that the Brewers aren't playing. Yeah, I'm sick of this team too. We need a little bit of a break now. We're in a lucky position as Brewers fans because we're still in first place. So our team, even after a lackluster first half, has the privilege of being able to go out of bat, do this, do that, the other thing, and actually still maybe make a run. You know what bothers me, Cone? Maybe maybe you'll appreciate this too. I hear so many Brewers fans are like, well, we got to trade Hater. You know, what about, you know, Burns? Maybe we should sell this year. We don't want to lose these guys for nothing. I don't care if we lose these guys for nothing. I want to win a World Series. Brewers fans are more worried about losing star players for nothing than they are worried about actually trying to win. And that is, I don't like that. I don't like that dynamic. Hey, I think that's kind of the vibe the organization sends down, though, is we're okay just being, you know, maybe a little bit above average to good they're not they don't want to be great almost they want to have their consistence you know 90 wins a year make the playoffs sell tickets sell t-shirts claws up baby that lasted long 
Um, <laughs> I just don't see them making a big move. Antonazio, the only way this team gets competitive and good and makes the next step is if Antonazio sells the team to someone with deeper pockets who actually care about winning. See, I know a lot of Brewers fans are mad about Antonazio. Oh, he doesn't spend money. Look, no baseball owners spend money. I partly think I partially think that the Twins might deal Correa. They're in first place, but I think the Twins are looking around thinking, oh, well, you know, we're probably not going to win. We don't want to lose this guy for nothing. No, lose him for nothing. Then get another guy in a couple of years. I just, I think the Brewers are so scared of being bad, like they haven't been bad their entire existence. We still go to games. We still watch. We're suckers. What else is there to do? So if you go all in for two years and you're bad for three years while you tear it down, I'm still going to go to a game every summer. And I live on the other side of the state. Yeah. I just, the bottom's not going to drop Agreed. out for this organization. I don't know why they're so scared about it. Oh. Agreed. Unless you lose Stearns, that would worry me, which the writing's kind of on the wall for that. That's another thing. Stearns isn't going to be here forever. So, again, all the more reason to go all in and try to win right now. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And um, to to finish on your point with the home run derby, Willie Adamas is actually having his own home run derby on Wednesday morning when (laughs) no home runs actually matter. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody's going to be on base. There's not, not a chance anyone will be on base either. I was saying earlier, <laughs> oh, no he, he would have fit in perfectly on the 2011 team when guys who just hit home runs or strike out. The 2011 Brewers were way ahead of their time in how they played offense. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all right, Cohen. Well, before I let you go, do you watch Better Call Saul? I don't. Ah, okay. Well, new episodes on tonight. Sorry. I'm very excited. That's fine. I'll ask the rest of the callers. It's fine. You've, you've carried enough of the caller load tonight. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, thanks, Grant. Cone Roller, 608-796-2558. Another great point. Stearns probably isn't going to be here forever. And you know what? I it's Fine. You want to go make a bunch of money for the Mets, play with a bigger budget? I'm not going to fault you for that. Go. Take a step in your career. Get a promotion. Go to the big city. Good. Good, David Stearns. I'm happy for you. But you know what? While we have him here, that should even add to the urgency. That's more urgency that I want. I just... <sighs> Brewers fans, It's it's like... Like a big percentage of Brewers fans are on one wavelength, and I'm on a completely, totally different wavelength. And I know I'm not alone, right? But I see so many tweets and Facebook posts. It's almost like we want to. It's it's almost like we want this season to be over, so we're prematurely doing it. We're like, well, they're not going to win in the playoffs, so I'm I'm discounting the possibility, and I'm not going to get my hopes up. And and seeing that they're not going to win this year, we should trade Hater and trade Burns because we're not going to be able to pay him. No way we can pay him, so we might as well trade him now because we don't want to lose him for nothing. Uh, lose him for nothing. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Lose them for nothing. I sneaky, weirdly think they might pay Burns, even though he's going to be insanely expensive. I I think the approach that Atanasio and Stearns might take, and this is probably more of an Atanasio thing, I think they will go all in to keep Burns, and Woodruff and Peralta might be on the outside looking in. I think that's probably the approach that they'll take. They're like, Burns is too good. If he wants to stay here and he doesn't hate it here and he's not counting down the days until he leaves, if he'll take, you know, $45 million a year from us instead of $50 million from wherever else, you know, we'll pony up to keep him. I, I don't think the Brewers want to lose all of these arms. They're probably going to lose Hayter. They're probably going to lose Woodruff from Peralta. If they keep Burns, I think that's probably the approach that they'll take, but that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, it's okay to lose guys for nothing, but while those guys are here, let's go all in to win. We're so crippled and scared of these guys losing and, and not getting any prospects in turn. Why? Why do we need the prospects? So they can sit in the minor leagues and rot? We're not going to trade them for help. If we're not trading prospects for help, 
this year and next, we're never going to do it. So I don't even, like, I don't care about prospects. Oh, we, we could trade we could trade Hader for Halt. Why? So they could sit there, we never get any use out of them? They'll slowly, slowly decline offensively because this Brewer system just sucks the life out of everyone's bat. We won't trade them, and they're not going to be of any use at the major league level, so just keep Hader. If we lose them for nothing, we lose them for nothing, but let's try to win with them in the meantime. Jeff is in lacrosse. 608-796-2558. What's going on, Jeff? Welcome. Well, I've been listening to this. Um, haven't talked to you in a, quite a while, actually. But why don't you just go after a couple, a bat or two? Because with all this good pitching, even losing a hater or a Burns that doesn't crumble the whole team, they've got good pitching this year. They need hitting right now is what I see. Yeah, I the problem the problem with this is, and and I've had people tell me, well, I want to contend this year, but I think contending. Uh, we can best contend by trading Hater. Okay, well then, I can get with the spirit of that. If you think you can be a better team this year and contend better because of trading Hater, fine. I just don't know that there's a trade out there for, for that. I don't know what team is going to give you a bunch of great bats because any team that has great bats is contending, and any contending team would want a closer, but then if they give up everything else to get the closer, then what's the point? I Trading Hater for helpful players now, I think, is a lot harder than a lot of fans think. So that's kind of why I, I just don't think you can trade Burns and Hater and be a better team this season, which is why I, I'm not really on that boat. But I get what you're saying, Jeff. Yeah, I like I said, that what you're not going to see much better pitching from the Brewers that you've seen, and there's just not, not hitting. It's like a gentleman I, that I work with and I were talking about this this morning. All of the bats at once seem to be going going south and it doesn't make any sense because you've got good hitters throughout the lineup at least career wise so um, all you have to do is get into the playoffs and anything can happen we've seen that so many times you can't tell me the Braves are the were the best team ever put together the Cardinals have won it many years when you know 80 some wins the Twins have done it so anything can happen if you get in there so the Braves are a good example the Braves traded for Three great bats last year. The Braves traded for Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, and Adam Duvall. So I, I get that the Braves got hot at the right time. They absolutely did. The Braves were also a lot better and a lot more aggressive than the Brewers last year. So if every team in baseball is going to sit on their thumb and just basically flip a coin to see who gets hot, that's fine. But that's not how other teams operate. These other teams are going for it a little bit more. And I, I understand, yes, the team that wins the World Series needs to get hot regardless but they also need to be pretty good. And I don't think the Brewers are pretty good right now, but I think they can be. So do what the Braves did last year. Go get three great bats, pay for it, but hopefully it pays off. And it paid off for the Braves last year. Yeah, you may be right. Or maybe even a couple of bats. It might be all, all that it takes to put them over the top. I don't think you tear apart the pitching staff completely because that's that's going to hurt them for a long, long time. What do you mean, losing pitchers? Well, I'm saying I'm not. I'm saying just rip the the pitching apart. Or I I don't think you get rid of both Burns and Hader. I'd say one or the other in my mind, but maybe I'm way off on that. Okay, no, I, I see what you're saying now, Jeff. I appreciate the call. I got to take a break. I just realized what time it is. Have a good night, Jeff. Thank you. It was nice to hear from you. Thank- Yes, good to talk to you. Thank you. Yeah, you as well. That's Jeff and Lacrosse, our Bears guy. We're gonna get a lot more Jeff once football gets going. I know. We fire up that Packers Bears rivalry. I here's the thing about trading Burns and Hater. It's like, well, you know, we can play for next year and the year after. This is the year. 
and next year is the year. Can I make that any more clear than I already have? Okay. Now, again, I, I get what Jeff is saying. You trade from a position of need to help out a position of weakness. Now, you could frame that negatively by saying it's robbing Peter to pay Paul. I think the truth is somewhere in between. I don't think it's as bad as that lingo would make it out to be, but now we're in semantics, right? If you told me, Grant, I want to trade Josh Hader for bats, and as a result, I think the Brewers will be better this year than than worse. Okay, I, I love the gusto. I love the goal, but I don't think it's attainable because I don't think there's a trade that can be made with Josh Hader that nets what... It, it, you can't net the return the Brewers need to contend this year from Hader. So keep him. Same with Burns. Now, next year or moving forward, I know a lot of people are saying, well, we can't pay all these guys anyways. We might as well get something for him. Why? Because best case scenario, best case scenario, which is really unrealistic, you're in a similar spot three or four years from now. And then we're sitting in the same spot saying, well, we can't keep all these guys. So we might, we just did this four or five years ago. At best, probably you're going to get down the road and the team is going to be a way more watered down version of this if you tear it down and try to build it back up. The time is now. Not to be the guy from Braveheart, like Mel, not Mel Brooks, Mel Gibson. Almost embarrassed myself on the movie front again. So, David, save yourself a call. I corrected myself. I don't mean to be Mel Gibson and Braveheart here, but this is the time. This is the year. Next year is the year. If some of these guys leave after the next two years for nothing, fine. Try to win with them in the meantime. Let's take a break. Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Holy smokes. I sorry, I forgot to turn my headphones down. Wow. That just cost me two years of hearing. <clears throat> Wisco Sports Show. That's better. My name is Grant Bills. 608-796-2558. Some texts here that I want to get to. Jared in DeForest. Jared, I love your town so much. We need to talk to Forrest sometime. Give me a call or text me back. Uh, He says, I would trade a World Series this year for missing the playoffs for the next two to three years. Would you? Jared, I would trade a World Series this year for missing the playoffs for the next 15 years. Yes. 10 years, 20 years, whatever. I was just texting with a buddy over the commercial break and we were complaining about the Brewers as we do. Uh, And he said, he said, this team has been irrelevant for so long. I just want a World Series. And I said, yes. And the fear of becoming irrelevant once again is going to be the thing that keeps us from winning the World Series. Hey, everybody, I hate to be this guy to break it to you. The Brewers will be back to irrelevancy before too long. Stearns is going to go. They're not going to be able to pay all these pitchers. That doesn't mean they can't get competitive again. But in the next three to four years, this team will be irrelevant once again. It doesn't matter how frugal they are with prospects, about how cheap they are. The goal can be sustained success. Everything has its limits. This is going to fall apart in its current form in the next three to four years. We're going to go back to being irrelevant anyways. So what do we have to lose? That's what I'm trying to say. And we talked about this with the Wolves a couple of weeks ago. We had Phil Mackey on, and he said, well, look, the Wolves have been out of the second round of the playoffs or out of the first round of the playoffs once in 33 years. If this Rudy Gobert thing doesn't work, we're just back to being the Wolves. It's what are we risking? You know what I mean? Uh, Mark texts in. Mark, I'm so glad you said this. 
be, because it's a really good example of what I've been talking about, not to use your text as an example. That is not my intent. Um, he says, Brewers should give up 75% of the farm system and Josh Hader for Soto. So here, let's let's just look at this as Hader for Soto, okay? He, here's exactly what I'm talking about, Josh. Here's why, or Mark, I'm sorry. I just got a text from a Josh, too. Mark, here's what I'm talking about. When fans say trade Hader for bats, trade Burns for bats, trade our top pitching, our excess pitching for offense, although Corbin Burns and Josh Hader are certainly not excess. You want to tell me about trading Adrian Hauser? Okay, that's excess. Corbin Burns and Josh Hader, those aren't excess. So it's, it's not like you're trading from a position of strength. You are trading your strength. But I get what you're saying. People say, well, we can contend this year, and the best way to do that is trade Hader for bats. Mark, the Nationals have no interest in Josh Hader. He's only under contract for another year and a couple of months, and they're not contending anytime soon. An elite closer is not worth anything to a team that's not trying to contend. Now, the controversial, slightly racist tweets might fit in really well in Washington, so maybe there's some appeal that, okay, see, now I ruined it. Um, But, Mark, this is what I'm saying. I don't think there's a trade out there where you give up Hater and get back something that helps you win this year. Now, maybe if you include your entire farm system, sure. But then you get Juan Soto, and I guarantee this is what's going to happen, Mark. Juan Soto's in Milwaukee, and immediately Brewers fans go, oh, my God, we can't pay him. We're going to lose him for nothing. Trade him, and we're going to be right where we are with Hater because this fan base struggles so much to accept that sometimes we're going to lose players for nothing, and that's a reality of contending because you can't win a World Series while also obsessing about what it's going to look like in four years, five years, six years, especially for the Brewers who've never won anything. I don't care about what happens six months from now, let alone six years from now. I want this Brewers team to do all they can do to contend. Chad is in Sun Prairie. Chad, two calls in the span of about a week. How lucky are we? Chad, what's going on? You got me, Grant? I, I got you, Chad. Okay, it's actually Chad up in Eau Claire. So, first time caller, long time listener. I normally call in on the mornings with Casper, oh. uh, but I, I wanted to. See, Bob here. I wanted to chime in and, and give you a little props. I, I agree with you on your take with what the Brewers got to do. And uh, I talked a little bit about it with Dan this morning, and I kind of wanted to bounce it off your dome and see what you think. Yeah, and well, first of all, let me apologize because I do know who you are from Twitter uh, and a P1 of Sports Talk 1051. I'm sorry, you have the same caller ID call sign that comes up. Chad and I should have known Chad and Sun Prairie. He he's been slacking this summer, so I should have known better than we were going to hear from him twice in one week. So what's going on, Chad? I'm sorry that I that I mis ID'd you. No worries, my brother. I get it. It's it's kind of difficult. I was surprised you even got the name right. But anyway, you know, I, you hit the nail on the head. They got to go after it, and they got to go after it now. And mm-hmm. my opinion is, you know, you touched on it. I don't want prospects. Prospects are cute by name. I mean, Corey Ray was the next Barry Bonds for crying out loud, and where has he gone? He's nowhere. Um, so, in my opinion, they have to give something to get something. And I know the Dodgers want a closer, and this you don't want to make the richer, you know, the rich richer. But my thought is, if we could, if we could package Hater with some prospects, send them on to the Dodgers, and get get say someone like Lux in the return, and then you know maybe even you know package that if we could get a, another closer like Keg. Craig Kimbrell, move him to the setup guy and, and move Williams down to closing. I think, you know, that makes both teams better. Um, so I just wanted to see if you, if, what, what your thought is on that. Do they find a way to package something? Because they're going to have to give up one of their pitchers to do it. And I posed this question to Dan, and I'd like to get your answer, and then I'll listen on on, on the side so I'll quit babbling. Can I? Can if, I if you had to give. Yeah, can I ask you what yep. Dan said? I'm curious. 
I think Dan, Dan agrees with what I was saying. Um, but this this question, and I'll let you answer. Um, I think I think you'll answer the same as Dan. But if you had to take one pitcher, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, mm-hmm. Devin Williams, or Josh Hader, Devin Williams or Josh Hader, there's your five pitchers. Which one are you going to give up to make your team better for the run here? Um, jeez, I okay. So, uh, I'm just making noises now. So, by process of elimination, <laughs> I don't like this. But by process of elimination, I would say Freddie Peralta because Burns is the best. I don't want to give him up. It just feels wrong trading Brandon Woodruff. I can't do it. The answer, I, I feel like, should be Woodruff. But then again, Woodruff's more consistent than Peralta. I can't part with Woodruff. That feels wrong. That feels like I'm stabbing one of the... I mean, he's one of the defining brewers of this era, right? Go back to 2017-2018. He started a game in the NLCS. He had a bomb off Kershaw. He's played all the different roles for this team. He is... And he's got a longer track record of Burns of just being there and being a brewer. I really struggled to trade him. Hater's the best closer in the game, and Williams is elite, and we've seen with the Brewers having more than one re- elite reliever is a pretty good recipe. I think I'd have to say Peralta then. Is that nuts? It, well, you know, there's not really a, a, a right or wrong answer to it. I was just curious to get your take, you know, yeah. and I, I I would agree with that. Um, I also, my thought was, that, you know, if we had to get rid of one, and I hate to say it because I love Josh Hader best in the game, but if you want to get a return and you want to get a real bat and something that makes a difference in the lineup, you know, one of your best is going to have to go. And, um, you know, they, they, I agree with you. They can't just pick up some run-of-the-road guy and, and hope that he's going to catch fire like, you know, Adamus did for us last year. They need somebody that, that's going to come in and hit better than 250 like the, the rest of the roster right now. So I'm, I'm interested to see. Hopefully they can get it going here after the break. Yeah. I Look, I, I the sky can still be the limit for this Brewers team. They just got a little work to do. I, I'm not counting them out. I'm by no means in the done club, but I, I think we're on the same boat. We, we understand that there's work to be done, but we're optimistic, Chad. Let's, uh, let's keep this going. I appreciate the call. I like hearing from our Eau Claire audience. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Yeah, you as well. That is Chad in Eau Claire, not Chad in Sun Prairie. I should have known when he came out loud and enthusiastic like that that it was uh, <laughs> this is not Chad. Why is Chad in Sun Prairie catching strays? Oh, that's my fault. I'm the only one bringing him up. Okay. Uh, the hater to the Dodgers with prospects for Lux. Well, this is a little bit of a cop-out answer, Chad, and I guess I don't know this to be true for sure, but I would wager that that's not possible. I don't think the Dodgers would do that. I think Hader is a luxury of luxury of luxuries for the Dodgers. I think the Dodgers could stick with Kenley Jansen's not still there, is he? Who is the Dodgers closer? Well, now I'm showing what I don't know. Dodgers roster. I don't know that the Dodgers need a Josh Hader. Josh Hader is the type of guy, I feel like he's a huge edge on a small team like the Brewers. Like, the difference he made for them in 2018 was nuts. I don't know if the difference is as great for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers could just pay him a bunch of money in two years if they want him, you know? And I don't know if giving up Hader and only getting back Gavin Lux, I don't know if that's enough. Now, also, like, I don't know what kind of year Gavin Lux is having. It's a name that we all love, and he's a highly touted prospect, don't get me wrong. I feel like if we're going to up Hader... We need an arm back, too. I need someone pretty good who can eat some bullpen innings. So that's another thing. If I'm giving up Hater, I want another arm back. But again, this is why I'm I'm skeptical of the trade Hater crowd. Because I just don't think the right deal is out there. 
And I don't want to trade Hader just to trade him. If he's getting dealt, it needs to be a slam dunk home run return. And I just don't think that exists. Also, another thing, Chad, you said you don't want to help out a rival. You don't want to help out the Dodgers. It's bigger than that. You don't picture this. The Brewers trade Josh Hader to the Dodgers. Playoffs roll around. They meet in the NLCS. They lose in six or seven games and Hader closes them out two or three times. Fold the franchise. Fold the fr- you, you don't bounce back from that. Fold the franchise at that point. You're screwed because that's karma forever. That's a curse forever. That's just not something you come back from. Brewers, we lost to the Cardinals 40 years ago. And we still go to bed. I think half of Brewers fandom goes to bed every night saying their prayers and then cursing the Cardinals. Like Arya in Game of Thrones. Every night she says her prayers and she has a list of people she wants to kill. We hold such a grudge both as a fan base and just organizationally. You can feel it. We still think of 1982. Imagine if they come up short this year and Josh Hader is the closer that really seals the deal against them. Done. Fold the franchise. You better be a big fan of your local Northwoods League team because baseball in Milwaukee and Wisconsin from that point forward is dead at least for 50 years, probably for like 115 years the way it was with the Cubs. And let's be real, we don't have another 115 years in this planet the way we're going. So that's, you were never winning a World Series. Sorry to take a big roundabout way to draw that conclusion, but if you trade Hater this year and he goes to a rival and he eliminates you from the playoffs, World Series is done off the table forever. You can forget about it. So, A, Chad, I don't think that deal is there. And B, even baseball stuff aside, that you're just, you're, 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 you're risking playing with powers that you cannot control and understand at that point because that's franchise folding stuff. Let's take a break. Talk more about the Brewers. I have some critiques of Craig Council. <gasps> I know. I know. I'm not proud of it. Actually, I am. I think it's. I think these critiques are pretty fair and well thought out. Uh, let's talk about them. Coming up next, it's the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, Daryl has dipped his toe into the texting world. And I'm glad that you did, Daryl, because I love this point you made. It says, trading Hater to the National League contender is like Boston trading Babe Ruth to the Yankees. The curse could last quite a bit of a lifetime. That's what I'm saying. There's no logical reason why the Brewers couldn't do it, but I just, mm-mm, mm-mm, nope. That's the kind of thing the Brewers get laughed at for. It's written about in every story. It's mentioned on every TV broadcast. Nope. No, no, I won't do it. Mike in Eau Claire says the way Hater has played lately reduces our buying power. I know you want to splash, but I think our hitters just need to get hot at the right time. No, they need to get hot at the right time. And we also need to splash. Uh, I also don't think this dings Hater's value. Like unless he comes back out and the next two weeks after the all-star break really stink. But if he comes out and goes three for three in his next three save opportunities, I don't. No, I, I don't I don't really think this stings his value. Jamie at Ken's Barbershop. Jamie, it's nice to hear from you. Says Council has his flaws for sure. He does make up for it and then some with how he manages September. Yes, yes, that's a big part of the Council story too. Let's talk about Craig Council. It's something I was very excited to get to today. I think this is going to show uh, growth by me as a host. And I'm hoping you guys will appreciate this. Because in the past, I, oh, Craig's perfect. Never makes mistakes. Best manager in baseball. And... I do still think he's the best manager in baseball, um, but I'm not such a fan where I am blind to seeing things that maybe he needs to get better at. 
Remember when we talked about Coach Bud last week? A caller brought him up, and I don't remember who it was. Why do I think it was Eric on I-90? Maybe it was Eric. I don't know. And I talked about how Bud fits this roster pretty well. Maybe he's not the best coach in the NBA, but he has a good disposition for this Bucks roster because probably, unless anything drastically changes in the East, the Bucks are going to be favored in just about every playoff series they play, assuming they're healthy. Bud is a good coach for a situation like that because the Bucs are the better team in almost every series they're going to play. You don't need to over-tinker. You don't need to be mad scientist guy. You don't need to be Mr. Adjustment. You need to feel out your team, sit back, watch from a 10,000-foot view, and maybe tweak little things here and there over the course of the series. That's it. Coach Bud is really good at that stuff. Now, that can also be his biggest weakness, right? We saw a couple of years ago when the Bucs weren't the better team in some of these series, like we saw against Toronto, he has a hard time making up for that, right? But luckily, and I think the Bucs realize this, and he won a title, which helps his job security too. The Bucs realize he's not going to need to do a whole lot of adjusting because the Bucs with that big three healthy, and if they can keep feeding talent, hopefully Bochamp plays pretty well with big, strong, talented players around him. You don't need a mad scientist to coach. Bud's just fine. I think you can say the thing, uh, the same thing, excuse me, about counsel. His biggest strength is also his biggest weakness. He treats the season like, quota like a data set like a huge 182 game data set or 162 62 right yeah 162 game data set he's always managing from a 10,000 foot view perspective he's always thinking about tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month and the next season he has a really really lofty bird's eye view over everything keeps his guys healthy. He doesn't prioritize one game over another. He plays the trends. He doesn't overreact. He uses outgetters instead of pitchers because I think in his head, he's not even managing games. He's managing, you know, whatever 162 times nine is. X number of innings. He's got to get X number of outs. He'll call up a random arm we've never heard of because he wants flexibility from pitching, even if it means sending Keston here back to the minors. He doesn't obsess over how he sets up his lineups because in his mind, a lineup doesn't matter. Who hits in the three-hole on a Tuesday night in April is not going to make a damn bit of difference come September. These are all things that Council, I believe, believes to be true, and this is how he manages. And it has a ton of advantages. Because over the last four years, the team by the end of the season has shaken out at the top of the division. They typically play their best baseball at the right time. And as we saw last year, they made it to the playoffs with all of their stud pitchers healthy. While a team like the Mets struggles to get off the mat because they can't get enough out of DeGrom or Syndergaard or whoever else they're trying to pitch. You know what I mean? The way Craig manages this Brewers team has a ton of advantages. He sees it 162 games at a time, and the Brewers have been a better team for it. However, and I thought this yesterday... Sometimes the individual wins and losses have to matter. I feel this about college football. This is a college football thing. When we're ranking teams based on this and that, we're trying to figure out who belongs in the playoff and who's got the strongest schedule and who's got the, you know, sometimes we'll have a team ranked above a team that's beaten them. Like Michigan, Michigan State, good comp. Michigan will be ranked fifth and Michigan State will be ranked seventh. But Michigan State just beat Michigan. How can that be true? Sometimes I feel in college football, the games don't matter enough. The games have to matter. It can't all be about strength of schedule and what division you play in and what conference you play in and how many points you scored in your point differential and this, that, the other thing. The games have to matter. And with Craig Council, sometimes it feels like the games don't 
matter enough. The Brewers needed some wins this week. I understand they're still in first place in the division. I understand that they're not trailing big time, that the sky isn't falling. But they needed some wins this week. They just had two months of really uninspiring to to bad baseball. And to go in with a nice week into the All-Star break where some of your guys will be playing. And to go into the All-Star break with a good feeling approaching the trade deadline, give the brass some confidence to make some moves and give his team a shot in the arm. These games this week needed some wins. And Council, true to form, treated all of these games like any other game. Sat Burns. Missed a spot in, in, in Burns' rotation so he could pitch in the All-Star break, which he's not going to do, which, whatever, it's his choice. But a little laissez-faire about how he managed his best starting pitcher and basically the meal ticket to a win right now because anybody else on the mound, it's up in the air completely and totally. With Burns, you have a, a pretty a pretty close thing to a surefire win, and we missed out on one of those this last week. Then yesterday, he pulls something with Ashby and Jason Alexander, and it's like, all right, the tinkering, I get it. The, the managing from a 10,000-foot view thing, I, I get it. You're worried about the healthier pitchers, I get it. But the games need to matter. The games need to matter to a certain degree. And also, how does this team always hemorrhage going into the All-Star break? It's not that they struggle. It's not that they slump. They melt down. 2018, they lost seven in a row, nine of 11. 2019, they lost three in a row to a bad Rockies team. 2021, they won 11 in a row and then lost six of eight going into the deadline. How does that even happen? Not the deadline, but the All-Star break. You get my point. This team shuts off a week and a half before the trade deadline. I'm not saying it's all council's fault, but if Matt LaFleur was really bad off a bye or couldn't manage well on the West Coast or couldn't coach well in the playoffs, these are all things that we believe to be true. We say it. We say that's on Matt LaFleur. It's his job to get the team ready to play. It's his job to get the team out in California and situated and and ready to play. It's his job to get his team perked up and ready to go off a bye. We all believe those things to be true. We don't say it enough about Craig Council. This team doesn't just struggle going into the All-Star break. They suck ass really badly. And they have for all of the last couple of seasons that mattered. 2020, I don't care. Was there even an All-Star break? What even happened in 2020? I don't remember. I have no memory of anything that happened in that year. I blocked it all out. Seven in a row and nine of 11 losses in 2018. They lost three in a row to the Rockies, got swept on the way in 2019. And they won 11 in a row in 2021 before losing six of eight going into the All-Star break. Again, I like Council because he doesn't overmanage. He doesn't overstress about games because it's just one of 162. But in some instances, the games have to matter. It felt like the games this week mattered a little bit more, and I would have liked Council to manage appropriately, and he did not. So his biggest strength can also be his biggest weakness. That's how I feel about Council. That's my Council thing today. I want to talk about getting hot in September. How can we do it? How can, how can we tilt the scales in our favor to maybe make this team a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, what's the word? Maybe just a little bit better predisposed to getting hot at the right time. Let's talk about that. We can wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show last couple of minutes. Follow me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. 
if you want to continue fighting about things, even deep into the evening after the show is wrapped up, Twitter's a great way, great platform to do that. You can also text a call, 608-796-2558. Got a text here from, send me your name, or don't, I can keep you anonymous too. New texter says, move Colton Wong. Oh, this is Daryl. Sorry, Daryl. Move Colton Wong and Ethan Small for a center fielder. Move the catcher not eligible for the playoffs. Thank God. And get rid of, please. Severino, gone now. Please and thank you. Don't need him. Don't need him. And it's uh, making me feel weird that we still have three catchers. Although, what's more, what's more likely here? If you had to bet money on this, what is more likely? That the Brewers will get two plus impact bats at this deadline, or they will bring back Jacob Nottingham. If you had to bet money on one of those outcomes... <laughs> You're thinking about it, aren't you? You're like, well, I don't... It would make no sense for them to bring back Jacob Nottingham, but that does seem like something they do. Oh, God. I shouldn't have put that out into the air. I shouldn't have put it out there. Okay. Talked with Chad from Eau Claire. And he feels good that the Brewers make some moves, get right, get healthy, could get hot in the playoffs. I agree. They could. I don't really want to operate under a uh, 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 shoulda, woulda, coulda uh, assumption this year. I want to stack the deck. How can we set this team up where there's a good chance they'll get hot? Not a coin flip, not a, oh, we'll see. It's just another crack at the door. We'll see if it works this time. No, 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 I want something else. I want something else. How do we predispose this team in this roster specifically to try to get hot at the right time? The offense get going, pitching's feeling confident and cocky. How do we do that, right? We need a team that is, this is the word I was thinking of today, flammable. We need a team that can catch fire. How do we do that? How do, how do we... How do we do that? Like, you think of uh, the best firewood is kiln-dried. You ever see that firewood? Oh, oh, you could, I mean, you could light that stuff. One spark, poof, it'll go up. Great firewood. How do we turn the brewers into that, right? Think about when you're starting a fire. If you're good at starting a fire, and not to be that guy, but I am, right? You should always take your time. Prep, 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 prep. I love the expression, you give me three hours to cut down a tree, going to spend the first two hours sharpening my axe. If I have a half hour to start a fire, I'm going to take 25 minutes to prep. All right, I'm going to gather very little dry sticks, very toothpick-sized sticks, okay? And then maybe some pine cones. Can we find any pine cones? And then bigger yet, we're going to find some medium sticks. You always want to look up in, if you're in a forest, look up in the trees for branches that have broken off and fallen down because they're hanging on a branch, and that way they're exposed to all this moving air, which is even better for drying out wood. You don't want to necessarily look for wood on the ground. Can we find elevated woods? We're going to find that too. Spend 20 minutes or so doing that. Take your time around the fire pit, arranging, organizing, have all your materials in arm's reach. Are we ready? Okay, ready. Light it. Then you light it, and the fire goes from the small stuff to the medium stuff to the big stuff. And maybe you have a little pile of things there to feed it and to keep that going, right? How can we do that but with a baseball team? How can we best arrange the fire pit so they can catch fire at the right time? We need to be more... Attent, not attentive. We need to be more intentional. That's the perfect word. Instead of saying, well, all we need to do is get on at the right time, we need to say, how can we best arrange this roster and how can we best approach the trade deadline to try to kickstart this team, to try to actually design a team that's designed to get hot? Not just a team that might get hot, but how do we organize and design this team like we would organize a fire pit, right? So it takes off when we want it to. Now, it's impossible to do it with any, like, relative certainty. We're not going to be able to say, oh, 80% chance this team will take off at the right time. I mean, there's no way of knowing. 
But we can stack the deck as much as possible. And tomorrow, maybe we'll talk about that. I know David Gasper is going to be here from reviewing the brew. We'll get an update on some of these newer brewer draftees for sure. Talk about what's going on over the All-Star break. And maybe I'll ask him that. How can we set this team up to be flammable, for lack of a better term? We can talk tomorrow. Enjoy the Home Run Derby. I'm not going to watch, but you can. (laughs) I'll talk to you tomorrow at 4.